Hello and welcome to the Tillage Edge with me, Michael Hennessy. This is your weekly podcast for all your tillage news and advice. In this episode, I chat to Dr. Stephen Kilday, a plant pathologist in Chagas, and Kieran Collins, a crop specialist in Chagas. I first asked Kieran how crops are looking at the moment and about the major weeds to look out for in oilseed rape. In general, Michael, um, the canopies are a little bit smaller at this time of year than they would normally be. And I suppose that's really a consequence of the harvest where the harvest obviously dragged out a little bit longer than than normal um, and farmers had difficulty gathering straw on that. So, you know, a lot of crops were sown, you know, there into the first week in September, even another one into the second week. So, you know, those, those crops would, would certainly only have maybe the first or second pair of true leaves up at this stage. There would be some August sown crops and obviously they, they would have much bigger canopies or more normal like, but I think in general, Michael, they're just a little behind normal at this stage of the year okay and with that in mind then and let's just i suppose focus on um on crops that maybe didn't get a pre-emerge herbicide what's the biggest risk in those crops at the moment in terms of weeds yeah it's it's i suppose again a consequence of the year a lot of crops didn't get pre-em because when they were late sown i suppose growers were a little bit more cautious in terms of weed control um and and any risks that might that might happen with the crop so I, I suppose really the most competitive weeds are grass weeds, particularly volunteer cereals and other grass weeds like bromes, maybe an annual, annual meadow grass. But, and volunteer cereals are especially prevalent in crops this year because, again, we had a little bit more grain shedding and that during the harvest. And it's, it's very noticeable driving around and, and looking at crops at the moment that there is a big volume of volunteer cereals there. So that would really be your, your number one target from a weed control point of view and there would be you know a good bit of research to say that there's a kind of a clear linear relationship between you know of increasing yield loss with increasing volunteer uh, cereals in crops and I suppose added to it then later drilling is also a factor because you know um, you know there's reduced competitiveness I suppose from the crop so you know you really would need to be looking at volunteer cereals first anyway. You'd often see, I suppose, Karen, that uh, volunteer cereals, um, you know, where the, where the fallout may be more numerously behind the combine. Uh, you could you often see that within crops, how competitive they are. So we have, uh, you know, the volunteer cereals there, they're pretty competitive. What's the general control measures for those um, volunteers and maybe grass weeds as well? I suppose there are sort of two options, really. You can go with your graminicides, which would be people would be familiar with, say, Falcon, Fusilade or Stratus Ultra, those type products. Um, or alternatively, wait uh, and use AstroCurb. Now, the difficulty with waiting is, I think, especially this year, is that, you know, to use AstroCurb, you need soil temperatures below 10 degrees. So you're really getting into November at the earliest. And I think that delaying wouldn't be a good idea this year. So essentially you're looking at the graminicides, you know, like your Falcon, Fusilade, Stratus, those types really, Michael. Okay. And how, how good are those types in, in terms of controlling the other grass weeds that are out there? The likes of bromes coming through, the likes of um, maybe some canary grass, um, those kind of things coming through. 
Yeah, I, I, I suppose it's a little bit of horses for courses. Um, you know, they're all quite good at controlling volunteer cereals and wild oats, you know, so that they would be, I suppose, two key weeds. Maybe something like falcon might have a little bit of an edge then in relation to annual meadowgrass. Um, scotch could be controlled by them all at, at, at higher rates. And again, you know, brome is, is well controlled with the likes of, again, those graminicides, all of them. So again, I, I, I think it's, you know, in addition to obviously controlling those weeds, but also from an IPM perspective, you're using a different active ingredient that you would be used in, in, in cereals and that. So it's a great opportunity to tidy up grass weeds like brome. Okay. And in terms of broadleaf weeds, obviously that, that they need to be controlled as well. Is there something that guys can add to the graminicides to, to, to help the broadleaf weeds? Yeah, I suppose it's a little, it, it depends on the, on the weeds that are present. And I suppose it's also important to say that while we've kind of emphasized that volunteer cereals are probably the main threat to yield and, and, and the crop, but broadleaf weeds, um, you know, are competitive as well, but they are less competitive than, than grass weeds. And I suppose in terms of the important broadleaf weeds, the ones you really need to control early would be the likes of cleavers, chickweed, mayweed and red dead nettle, they would be regarded as, as the most competitive. So, you know, and for post-emergence options, it's limited, but it's a little bit more than we had, say, a few years ago. So I think you kind of have to pick your, your, your post-emergence option depending on the weeds that are present. So we, we have the likes of Belcar, a recent addition, um, you know, very good on cleavers, Cranes, Bill, Poppy, exceptionally good on fumatory. Sunny Farmer with, with fumatory or mayweed, uh, Belcar is a very good option. Uh, best to use it early, um, you know, ideally with, with that graminicide timing. Salsa is is useful for growers with, with charlock. Um, so again, you know, if you haven't gone down the Clearfield route, uh, salsa is a very good product to control charlock. Needs actively growing charlock. So again, sooner rather than later, you know, growers w would need to be getting in with that. It'll also give you good control of chickweed and mayweed as well, and also shepherd's purse. And then I suppose finally then maybe if someone wants to use a graminicide now and some growers then will wait maybe until November and use the likes of Astrocurb. So Astrocurb, in addition to excellent uh, grass weed control, it also has amino pyrolid in it, which people will be familiar with, the likes of Forefront controlling docks, you know, and that gives very good control of the likes of chickweed and poppies and mayweed there as well. And also will control ground cell once they don't get too big, but... I suppose a key one there with AstroCurb is just, you know, you have to chop the straw after that's, that straw can't go back into the system in terms of, um, you know, back out on other crops. Okay. And Kieran, the final question just in this section of it. Um, crops are in the ground that bit later. They're that bit smaller as we've already discussed. Um, I suppose two parts of it. Do you think crops will get to the stage where they will fill in before the, great kind of, before the growth kind of slows down? And... If not, or if they're going to struggle, um, does weed control become even more important? Oh, I think so. Uh, smaller crops, definitely the, the weed control is, is more important than ever and, and really is, is a priority. Um, and I suppose really we're, we're trying to build as big a canopy as we can in the autumn. Um, 
you know, to prevent uh, pigeon grazing, which can really be, you know, if you do have a big canopy, pigeons are not as inclined to land, but certainly, you know, where you have a small canopy, it certainly encourages pigeons to come in and feed. And obviously then you start losing your crops. So, you know, as I say, eliminating those volunteers and allowing that canopy to develop as much as possible before we get into the winter, it'd be, it'd be crucial this year, especially. Okay. Uh, Karen, I'll come back to you in a minute, but I just want to go across to the, Dr. Stephen Kilday and uh, talk to Stephen about, I suppose, that canopy and protecting that canopy against um, uh, disease threats that's out there. So, Stephen, with that in mind, what are the main disease threats at this stage? I suppose at this stage, Michael, we're, we're really looking at a small number of diseases. I suppose the, the one that stands out most at this time will be FOMA. Um, that will be coming in probably from now through to maybe mid-November. Um, and as, as I suppose Kieran mentioned, that there's quite a few crops that uh, are they're not, they're have, they're not a huge canopy there yet. And I suppose that's critical from uh, FOMA's point of view in that if the disease does, does arrive, if it's able to get down, grow down into the stem, it's that actually is, the, is where it will cause a problem, I suppose, later on into the season next year. If it's a bigger canopy, it's going to take a little bit longer for it to grow from the leaf down into the stem. Smaller canopy, yeah, it'll get there quicker. Um, so it would be one of the ones that will be a threat at this stage. So Stephen, for FOMA, as you mentioned there, is there any threshold for FOMA that, that, that of course you'll be looking out for? Yeah, so it, it really depends to a certain extent on the varietal resistance. There will be varieties that are very, very susceptible and there will also be other varieties that are quite resistant. And I think the threshold will depend on the level of resistance that's there. So if you have a susceptible variety, if you've got 10% of the crop, you're seeing some fungal lesions. It's at that sort of point that you'd be considering to, to uh, spray a, a fungicide for a more resistant variety. You might allow that to go maybe towards the 20%. Again, it'll also be dependent on canopy size. So a smaller canopy, you would reduce that threshold. A larger canopy, you might increase it a bit more. So Stephen, could you paint us a picture as regards what FOMA actually looks like for, for a farmer seeing it out in the field? Yeah, I suppose it's really, it's a, it's a lesion on, on, on the leaf, a sort of a necrotic lesion. It'll probably be gray in appearance or, or white in appearance. And in it, you will see black spots. It'll, they'll be on the leaf. Uh, a circular in, in appearance. Okay. And are you seeing any uh, foam out there on crops that you're walking at the moment? No, at, at this stage, I haven't actually seen any. We're probably a little bit early for it just yet, but I'd say over the next couple of weeks, the rainfall that has arrived in the last couple of weeks or last week or so will drive on the disease. Um, one other thing to, to remind or to remember about, about these diseases are, look, if there's a history of oilseed rape in the area, then the risk will be that bit higher. If there's not, there will be a, a, a lower level of risk. But again, that doesn't mean that there's no risk. Okay, so if a grower gets up to the threshold, as you can see it in the field, um, what sort of control measures are available? So we're talking about fungicide control. We're talking about applying a fungicide. Uh, I'm being realistic at the moment. We're, we're talking about something that contains prothiokinazole because it probably would be the most active of, of the fungicides that are out there for us. A typical Proteo name that people can recognise? Yeah, you could be looking at something like a proline or a decoy. Um, I suppose there's a number of different products there at the moment that are, are, are Proteo based. And does it need a kind of a full rate, Stephen, or what sort of rate? Yeah, so it again, it will come back to actually the levels that are going to be there to a certain extent. Um, it does need probably above a half rate. Um, whether it needs the full rate or not might be questionable. But again, look, if you've, got a, if you've got a very heavily infected crop, you're going to need a bit more um, than, than one that is very, very low levels. 
Okay. And I suppose the other disease that lots of farmers probably would have in their mind is like leaf spot, um, which is which is out there as well. Uh, is that something that people should be watching out for at this stage or is it a bit later on in the season? Um, generally, the disease itself will be later on, um, I suppose, coming into springtime and that's when we would notice it more. Now, that said, you, it, the disease starts more than likely in the autumn. It can be very difficult to see, but I would be looking out for it. Because, look, it, it comes in in spring and it can come in very, very quickly. That inoculum must build up from summer and it's more than likely have, will have been there, um, I suppose, from October, end of October into November onwards. So it will be there getting it or identifying it may be a problem at this stage. But I would, if you are walking your crops looking for FOMA, I would be taking samples of those leaves, putting them in a bag, what we call hot boxing them. And then assessing them after a couple of days to see if you can see those typical salt grains that are a light leaf spot. So growers on the ground, I suppose, from previous years, um, it would appear to me at least anyway, that it seems to be almost a matter of course that are going to put on a light leaf spot fungicide. But are you saying that that, that it really should be done on a, on a, on a basis of, uh, of seeing what's there or should they be doing it anyways because it's kind of hard to identify? I think actually, look, we, we should be looking and seeing what's there. Like from an IPM or an integrated pest management, it is, it is a key component of it. Knowing what's there. And for example, look, if FOMA is there, we will be targeted with a proline-based product. That will have a residual activity on light leaf spot. If light leaf spot is there, then we should also be targeted. If neither of them are there and you've intensively monitored for that light leaf spot and, and are supposed familiar with what you should be looking for, then it may not be there and you may not get a, a benefit from it, from it at that stage. Now this does then follow through to spring and I'm sure we'll be talking about it at a later stage, but it's about monitoring, it's about understanding and knowing what is there. Okay, so if a farmer, and more than likely it'll be probably well into November, I presume at this stage, if a farmer uh, finds that he has light leaf spot um, or there is light leaf spot in, in, in the crop, um, should or does the uh, crop size make any difference to his decision about a fungicide? I suppose the crop size at, at that stage um, I will determine to a certain extent what fungicide product might be used or what fungicide should go into the mix. Look, if you're, if you're targeting foam and you're targeting light leaf spot, you will be looking at something that contains bethiokinazol or such as your proline. But if you're also then targeting sort of a, a growth regulatory effect, trying to reduce the, 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 the canopy, that prothia won't necessarily do that job. So you're going to have to then, I suppose, mix or, or match it with, a, with an azole that will do it. The azoles themselves that have that regulatory effect won't, ne won't be necessarily the, the best for FOMA or for light leaf spot. So you're going to have to mix and match something like Bizarro might be an option there if you're covering both bases. And, what, and would that be a kind of a crop that would be sown in September or more a crop that would be sown in mid-August, uh, uh, Steve? Yeah, I think based on what Kieran was sort of saying, the crops that are in that little bit earlier will have that bigger canopy, and those are the ones that we're really looking at. We don't want to be holding back those crops that are, are, are struggling at the moment or haven't got a huge canopy of that. If they need uh, disease control from a foam or from a light leaf spot, then it's that uh, proline or prothio based only. If you do have something that is in, in, in August and has a huge canopy, then actually, yeah, you are going to need that growth, growth regulatory effect and you might be looking at something like Pizarro to cover uh, the disease and the growth regulatory. That's great, Stephen. Thanks very much for that. I just have one final question for Kieran, uh, and it's around uh, pests. Kieran, is there 
Any particular pests farmers should be looking out for at the moment? I suppose there there are a few. Uh, cabbage stem flea beetle would be, I suppose, very common in the UK. Um, thankfully, not so much here. And it's identified really with little shot holes in the leaves. So as the crop develops, the threshold for cabbage stem uh, flea beetle increases. So I think from crops we're seeing at the moment, I think there's been very little damage and I don't think there's any need or necessity for an insecticide in the vast, vast majority of cases. I suppose the other one just to keep an eye on would be slug damage. You know, slugs will, will remain active, especially if the, if the land is wet. And I suppose also not to confuse cabbage stem flea beetle damage, which is the typical shot holing, with um, slug grazing, which tend to leave larger, kind of more rougher um, holes in the leaf, really. So they're the, the two main pests. And as I spoke about then, finally, uh, pigeons, I spoke about already again, it's trying to keep pigeons out of the crop over winter is, is, is really the, the other crucial pest, Michael. So on that final one uh, there, Kearney, any good tips on how you actually uh, do that? Yeah, I mean, a, a big canopy is the ideal. So you're you're going to mind your crop, really. Uh, just try and develop that, that canopy and all the methods that you can use to keep pigeons out after that, I'm afraid. Move in and get the get to, get somebody to bring you tea on a regular basis <laughs> for six or eight weeks. <laughs> okay, uh, Kieran, that's brilliant. Thanks very much for that, and thanks very much to Stephen as well. Um, so we're going to we're going to come hopefully maybe come back to you in early spring and we'll chat about all the great again. Thanks, thanks very much, Michael. That's it for the Tilly Challenge this week. My thanks to Kieran and Stephen for joining me on the podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcast or Spotify so you never miss an episode. And for more farming information, go to chagas.ie. I'm Michael Hennessy. Thanks for listening. And I'll be back next week with more tillage news and advice.